My name is Quentin Hunt, and I'm an ally. Hi, my name is Scott Braithwaite, and I'm an ally. Hi, I'm Michelle. I have a gay son, and I am an LGBTQ ally. My name is Nathan Zuniga, and I am gay, and I am also an ally. Hi, my name is Maggie Mika, and I'm an ally. Hi, my name is Savannah Hess, and I am also an ally. And, and welcome, welcome to our, our podcast, Why I Am an Ally, Breaking Barriers One Person at a Time. We are seniors at Brigham Young University, and we've been working on this four-part podcast for our final project in our gender development class, and we're so excited to share this with you. To give a little context, during the last few months, we have been interviewing individuals that we view as role models of what it looks like to be an ally to those in the LGBTQ community. Now, for those of you who are listening, LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Um, we wanted to focus on them and we also wanted to focus on those in the LGBTQ community that are also involved in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a subject that we are both incredibly passionate about because we've seen in our personal lives moments where others could have chosen to act as an ally, but didn't. And we've also seen times where members of the church have risen up to the occasion and have shown Christ-like love to our sisters and brothers in the LGBTQ community. We fully recognize that four episodes are not going to change everyone's perspective but we're trying to break the barriers of allyship one person at a time. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Welcome, welcome to episode three of Why I'm an Ally, Breaking Barriers One Person at a Time. We are just so grateful that you are sticking with us and you've come here to episode three where we're going to be interviewing Michelle Michelle is a mother, and being a mother, there are stressors. Stressors uh, that include wanting to make sure that your kids are taken care of, that they're safe. Uh, And when your children struggle, then it really does affect you. You know, mothers and their children are genetically connected to each other. I think that's such an interesting fact to know. Uh, that mothers just are always connected to their children. Uh, Michelle's going to share a lot about her experiences of being a mother and having her son come out to her as gay. During our interview with Michelle, she gave us so many resources uh, that can help us improve our allyship to those in the LGBTQ community. One of the resources given is called Love Boldly, Embracing Your LGBTQ Loved Ones and Your Faith. Uh, It's an incredible book uh, that tells the story of another mother's, that tells us this, that tells the story of another mother's journey to seek allyship for her son. Um, And it's, it's a beautiful story. Another resource she gives is the book In That We May Be One, written by Tom Christofferson. And I found this interesting, just little snippet helping us understand what this is. So Tom Christofferson shares perspectives gained from his life's journey as a gay man who left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and then returned to it. So this book is about the lessons Tom, his family, and his fellow saints learned while trying to love as God loves. So awesome. So awesome. 
Another resource she takes us to is listenlearnandlove.org. Uh, there you can find things like podcasts uh, and other links to help you just research topics that you feel you need to understand better to help increase your allyship to those in the LGBTQ community. She also told us to go and listen to Questions from the Closet podcast uh, with Ben Shalati. And it's just an awesome, awesome podcast. Uh, we can't go super deep into all of it because we would definitely want to make sure that we can get to our interview with Michelle. Uh, so you can learn for yourself. But we're going to put not necessarily links since this is a school project. We don't want to necessarily make it look like we are trying to sell uh, these different resources. Before we get into that though, remember we're learning by study and also by faith. There was an article written in 2015 titled Sexual Orientation Change Efforts Among Current or Former LDS Church Members. In this, the study showed that the individuals who experience same-sex attraction engage in what is called a sexual orientation change effort uh, to conform to religious teachings and social pressures and cared about will help them have fewer mental health symptoms. I know that that probably sounds like common sense, but it's so true. It's incredibly damaging to tell anyone that because they are the way that they are, that they are of less worth religious ideals. So showing these members that you love them, that you care for them, which is what, you know, the leaders of our church have been saying. President Ballard came and talked to BYU students a few years ago saying that we just need to listen and we need to love. We need to take the time. And if the leaders of our church are continuously reminding us that that is what we need to do, then we need to start listening. Uh, there's another study that we wanted to share in 2012. It's called Supportive Families, Healthy Children helping Latter-day Saint families with lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender children. So this study identified more than 100 behaviors, 100 behaviors, you guys, that families and caregivers use to respond to their LGBTQ plus child. The behaviors range from complete acceptance and support to their child, to kicking their child out of the house, disowning the child, and telling them God will punish them because they identify as LGBTQ+. The study revealed that parents' attitudes could have a dramatic impact on the child. And, you know, we've seen this. We know this. Uh, we hear experiences where um, horrific things happen and parents kick their children out of the home. And that is not the right way to handle any situation when a child goes against what you view as idealistic or the standard. And so this emphasizes the importance of being an ally for those in the LGBTQ plus community to focus on those good behaviors, to support, to allow your child to have the flexibility of exploring their beliefs personally. Anytime a parent tries to coerce a child to conforming to religious norms or even just behavioral norms, the child does not understand why they are doing it but only the what's and the how's that they are supposed to be doing it, that you are personally seeking, behave in a certain way, whether that's, and it will have a damaging effect on your relationship. Uh, this interview is going to be a very sacred one. Uh, Michelle shares so many things and resources that really impacted me personally. So please sit back and enjoy uh, or actively take notes. 
however you prefer and be prepared to learn from Michelle because she is absolutely incredible. And we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. Thank you for coming and talking with Savannah and I. Um, I just have a couple, we have a couple um, topics we'd like to discuss with you regarding um, to becoming a better ally with members of the LGBT community and the LDS church. Um, so our first topic we'd like to discuss about you is um, you mentioned that you have a son named Josh that came out as gay. Um, what was your feelings before he came out about the LGBT um, group? Um, that's a good question. I grew up um, in Canada and had pretty little um, exposure to anyone who's LGBTQ. The ones, the people that I knew were LGBTQ were pretty flamboyant and pretty obviously gay or lesbian and, you know, just had that, I guess, pretty typical feelings of, um, well, honestly, not understanding them and wondering if they chose to live that way. And um, I was probably pretty judgmental, honestly. And um, as I grew older and had my own kids, started to kind of get different views of uh, the LGBTQ people, but still without having anyone really close to me that identified that way. Um, I wasn't really, it wasn't just brought to my, brought to the forefront for me so that I had to think about it very much. So I guess I would say that I was probably, you know, fairly, still fairly judgmental, wondering if a lot of the people who are LGBTQ just want, wanted to live that way and that they were making that choice. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly grateful for the, the path that I've been on with my son and that it's helped me understand people better and very much broaden my, um, my views and understanding of, of LGBTQ people and that they most uh, a super high percentage doesn't actually choose to live this way. It's how they are born, how Heavenly Father sent them here, and that um, I should not be judging them for, and even for different choices that they make if they don't um, make choices that I would make. It's fine. It's you know, it's not up to me to judge or <clears throat> make assumptions. But um, my place is to be Christ-like in all situations with all people and. So I'm grateful for a mind shift that I've gone through and better understanding that I've gained. I love that answer. And, and I agree with you is that we should follow the commandment that Christ said, uh, love everyone as I have loved you. Um, our place is not to judge or be that person that defies like what pun their punishment or whatever it is our job is to love everyone as Christ has loved themselves has loved us and so I think that's very important yeah our place is to love our brothers and sisters period what was the price process like for you when your son came to you and told you that he was gay um, it's probably, well, pro I was going to say it's probably different than most stories, but I think every story is unique in its own way. <laughs> but, um, with our son, he, he was a very happy, jovial, fun kid growing up. The whole family just adored him. He's the youngest of six. And so we have three girls and three boys. And, um, 
we just doted on him and he had, you know, like I said, just this great fun, silly personality. <laughs> we all just loved him. And um, when he was 14, 15, he uh, started getting pretty depressed and dark, just a dark feeling around him. So this is junior high years. And with my other two sons in those years and in high school years, they also had some, you know, some difficult years, difficult times. Those can be hard years, those teenage years. And so I kind of chalked it up to, well, this is just puberty and difficulties at school. And, um, you know, that he would pull through all right, just like my other boys did. And, but then um, he said a few things that really took me back. Like one day he said, I, I don't belong in this family. I was thinking, what? How can you even think that? Like, you're the youngest. We all love you. It's super obvious. How can you even think that way? <laughs> and um, and another day he said, you'd be better off without me. And again, I was like, wait, what is happening here? You know, and he just had this dark aura around him. And so I wondered what was going on. And um, then one day, um, one of the school counselors at the junior high came and said, um, that a couple of his friends had brought a text message. So my son, Josh had sent them a text message and it was really dark. It was suicidal language. And he, you know, the counselor came to me and said, are you, are you aware of this, that your son's having these feelings? And I was shocked. I said, no, I, you know, I know he's struggling, but I had no idea how serious this is. So that was a really good wake up call. And, um, my husband and I talked about it. Of course, we're really nervous and didn't know what to do. So we um, went to the church, uh, social services, took him to some counseling, which didn't go very well, honestly. But um, but that counselor led us to another counselor who Josh really connected with, and that really helped. So we were very grateful for that. But in the process of all that, I started finding things of Josh um just doing a little digger deeping on dig digger deeper digging sorry <laughs> deeper digging on his phone and realized that he was likely gay and i you know which started to make it all make sense like oh maybe he's struggling in our family not feeling like he fits in because he's gay and it's just assuming that we are not going to love him we're not going to want him around so that was, it was heartbreaking, but I was super grateful to learn that, that so that we could start to um, help him understand that, no, if, if you're gay, we are totally fine with you being gay and we will love you. Again, I had never dealt with anyone close to me, had even friends or extended family that was gay or transgender or anywhere on the LGBTQ scale. So it was very new for me and it took a fair amount of time for me to process my thoughts and think through my beliefs and why I believe them and, and, um, how to, how to handle this and, and what to do with my son now. And, um, so that took some time, but I did all that privately. I thought I needed to just work through these things privately, not with Josh. Um, so Josh actually, like I said, I started finding things that started giving me hints that maybe he was gay. And um, he never, he never talked about it. He never actually came out to our family. Um, so one time after some months of this, this dark time with him and then taking to him to a counselor, I thought, you know what, even if he doesn't want to bring it up, 
I want to bring it up with him so that he knows I will support him. And he doesn't have to worry, you know, wonder what will mom and dad do if they know. So one day I went to him and said, um, Josh, if you're gay, I just want you to know that I will love you always. And we will not kick you out of our house, that you're always going to be accepted and welcome here in our home. And, and um, I just want to make sure you know that. And he didn't say anything. He didn't respond at all to that. And I thought, well, okay, he's just not ready to talk about it. And I won't push it. But now at least he knows how I feel. And now I just have to show him that I'm sincere in that. You know, like I, he, he knows that I think he's gay. <laughs> and now I get to show him that I'm totally okay with that. So that's what was how I approached it is just carrying on as normal, loving, hugging, you know, always including him, of course, you know, in all our family things. And, um, yeah, then months went by and still he didn't ever want to talk about it. And so again, I had another little conversation with him. And again, he, I, one time he said, I think I'm bisexual. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, if you ever want to talk more about it, we can talk. And, um, but that was it. And I, you know, I've learned since that many people who are gay will first start by saying, I think I'm bisexual, because I think they feel like maybe that kind of eases it into right. <laughs> conversation and right. helps, uh, maybe it's a little easier for family to accept. Um, anyways, then when he was 16, he started seeing a guy and still not wanting to talk about it. And Josh has always had a ton of girlfriends. That was always his <laughs> his um, his social circle. Circle right. was a lot of girlfriends growing up. And so when he started hanging out with this guy a fair amount, I thought, oh, this is interesting. I wonder if this is more than a friend, and you know, wanting to know, and um, you know, not wanting him to feel like he needs to keep secrets from me. Like, well, let's just be open, you know. And so after he'd seen been going out with this guy for a bit, I, I asked him, Hey, Josh, so is this guy a friend or is this more than a friend? And he just laughed about it and he didn't respond. again. <laughs> <laughs> so he is very much a, he will talk, you know, um, we'll have good conversations, but it's very much when he's ready to. Right. <laughs> and, um, so again, I thought, well, okay, he's not ready to talk about it. <laughs> so, um, to make a long story short, those two are still together. Oh, yeah and so you know that's interesting because he was young so i didn't you know right. teenager relationships they're all over the place right. and they come and go and so it's been interesting that they've been together this long um but finally after a couple months of them seeing each other he was okay with introducing him to us and we've gotten to know him and just always wanted to make them feel welcome in our home and like i said never wanting to feel like he has to our son has to keep secrets that he can just be himself around us and and that we can get to know his boyfriend and um you know hopefully just have a good relationship with him as well like let's yeah. just have things out in the open and so yeah just a kind of a different story where he never wanted to talk about it but it just eventually was you know his way of life and we all just made it work and you know just wanted to keep letting him know we love him and you know whatever your choices are you you choose your path yeah <laughs> you have your agency and I have mine and and I'm okay with you making your choices 
regardless of if they line up with mine or not, they still welcome in our family and loved. And <clears throat> so that's kind of a long story about how the process went. <laughs> yeah, him coming out but not coming out, and <laughs> that's a, I think that's great. That's a beautiful story. So that kind of leads into the next question. Um, what kind of advice um, do you have for parents who might have a um, son or daughter that is in the LGBTQ, afraid to come out or have come out? What advice do you give to parents? so they can have a positive relationship with that parent with this with their child with the child and not become a situation where there is no more contact or a mm -hmm. very unhealthy relationship yeah so josh you know his concerns about our family not accepting or loving him or wanting him around anymore those came from uh, situations that he saw with his friends in school. He had a girlfriend who, when her she told her parents that she was lesbian, they kicked her out and she left and went to live with the best friend. And so he saw very negative uh, family situations amongst his friends. And that's where those fears came from, I'm sure, for him, you mm -hmm. know, not knowing how me and my husband would respond and his siblings. Um, so I feel like it's just really important to provide an atmosphere or relationship, you know, to work on our relationships that show love. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, honestly, it was hard when he started dating this boy and then for, you know, just for me to work through that in my heart and soul and how, you know, how do I respond to this? What do I do with this? And and then each step of that relationship. So seeing them sitting close together on the couch and holding hands. And and then, you know, a few months down the road, they kissed in front of me at the front door. It's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but just getting used to all these things, you know, that. And I tried to talk myself through, okay, with my older kids, when they were dating someone, how did I respond to that, you know, and trying to make that the norm for this new relationship of my son and his boyfriend and, you know, and is new, it's different. And so it, it, we need to give ourselves a little grace to kind of, and time to get more comfortable with it, with these new situations. But if we can remember the most important thing is the relationship with our kids and, um, you know, what, what do we want that relationship to be? Do we want them, do we want to have a relationship going forward with them for years? We'll likely have decades, you know, going forward that we're still in each other's lives. And can that be a place of <clears throat> a relationship of comfort and happiness together and, and finding um, common ground, things to talk about and experiences to share that um, strengthen that relationship? And is that what you want? And in my heart, I've, that's what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to maintain close relationships with my kids and grandkids. And um, so if that means letting go of some of our, um, our stiffness, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, our orthodoxy even is maybe a word um, to use where, you know, we, we feel like we can just let that go and remember to, give the saving part 
of our kids' lives to Christ, because it never was our our place to save any of them. Our, as our place as parents is to teach and to love and guide, and then we have to let go and remember that our Savior is the one who atoned for them, and our Heavenly Father is the one who created them, and our Heavenly Mother, and that um, our kids are in their hands as much as we ourselves are in their hands, and they're you know, they're the ones who know the the big picture, know the big plan. And I feel like there's a lot more that we don't understand still. Um, I think we have some answers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we don't have a lot of answers. Um, but one that we do, that we have been taught is to love. And Jesus Christ spent his time ministering to many different kinds of people. You know, he didn't hang out his whole ministry in the temple and right. say, come to me and I'll teach you. But no, he was out amongst the people just loving, teaching as he went. And that, you know, I, I feel like um, I have taught my kids the gospel and now they're making their own choices. Mm -hmm. Some of them I don't love, but, um, but that's okay. Again, it's my place to keep loving them and to give the saving and the atoning parts to Jesus Christ and trust that he's got them in his hands. And, and um, you know, I hope that also as I show love, I keep, keep working on that part of me and my relationship with them, that that will help maybe turn them back to Christ one day, that we can be an example of Christ-like living and that that can be a help to bring them back maybe one day, you know, that they will. And that's, that's oh, I should, sorry, I should have explained my son has left the church uh -huh. <laughs> and I have other family members who have left the church. And so it's, you know, they're, they are making different choices than I am. Um, but having to just back off a little and let everybody make their own choices, use their agency and, and keep living how I feel. I want to live my life with integrity and, you know, with in align with my beliefs but allowing them each their own choices. So. Yeah. Well, that was very powerful. And thank you for sharing that because that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. Yeah. I'll say um, one other thing as I was kind of struggling with the actual day-to-day -day living and choices, you know, when, when Josh was still at home and he was young, and um, starting in this relationship with his boyfriend, I struggled with, whoa, what do I do with a gay child in a relationship? Like, I've never done this before. And I prayed about it. And then I just thought, just treat them like your other kids. You know, they, you had rules for them, curfews, and your boyfriend's not allowed in your bedroom. And, you know, all these specific rules for them. So my, my thought was just treat him the same way. You know, yeah. you can give him the same rules <laughs> and expectations <laughs> and expect, you know, him to follow your rules. And that's, that's fine. Like do that. You know, you, you still that. can parent him. <laughs> yes. He's still the same as another child right. with the same rules and expectations. I love that. I think that's great advice. During that process, did you have, you know, you hear all the time there's a grieving process of mm -hmm. what you expected would happen, that timeline of a child. Did you experience any of that grieving process? I did, yeah. 
and it's hard. It's just hard because you bring up your kids with some expectations of, oh, they're going to get married and they're going to have kids and, you know, they'll go through the temple and most of the boys will probably serve missions. Maybe some of my girls will, you know, all these things I thought about as I'm raising my kids. And then a lot of it turned out differently. <laughs> and for Josh, you know, that part of that realization that was different was um, that he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have kids, you know, which was sad for me because I was like, this kid has been so fun and he would be a great dad. And, <laughs> you know, right. oh, break my heart that he's not going to probably won't make those choices. And, um, but again, it's, you know, yes, it was a grieving process for me. And I did that in the privacy of my own bedroom and shedding my tears in my room and on my knees and shedding some tears and, you know, asking for guidance and comfort. And um, I, I wanted to do that privately. You know, I mean, on, obviously sometimes it just comes to the surface and you just do what you can mm, right. <laughs> as a parent. But I mostly wanted that to be private that he didn't have to see that part, you know, like that would just bring him down, make him feel worse. That's, that's absolutely nothing to, um, validate him and what his feelings are and where, where he is in life. And so for me, that was, you know, I, I tried to do that behind closed doors, but it was a process. It took some time and I've gotten to a better place now of understanding and, um, yeah, just letting, letting him make his choices and being okay with that. And I've learned a lot when I first um, realized he was probably gay. I was hoping to, um, I, I really felt alone and that I needed support. I needed other parents to talk to. So I asked at the church, you know, is there social services um, support groups that I could go join parent support groups? I was thinking for sure there's got to be <laughs> something through social services. And then I learned there was not. And that was a big surprise and a, kind of a disappointment. So I thought for sure there's people that are going through the same thing or have been through it and can help me, you know. Mm -hmm. But um but I did find a podcast that I learned a lot from the listen, learn and love podcast by Richard Osler. Oh, he's great. I yeah. love him. Yeah, I do too. So I listened to a number of those episodes with him and those helped me a lot to gain better understanding of LGBT people and what roles I could have and how I could be supportive of my son and um, a couple of books that I read and then a, an online Facebook group. Those are tricky though, because there's a lot of people in there who are angry with the church and, um, or who have left the church, but are still in those online groups. And so you kind of have to sort through, you know, some, a, a fair amount of negativity in there, which is still fine. It's fine. I think to learn from people who are making different choices, they've left the church for whatever their reasons are. Um, it's good to get a perspective of different people's feelings and choices. Um, but as far as what I wanted, I wanted to stay in the church. I wanted to figure out a way to stay in the church and support my son. I, you know, have a, a testimony that the church is true and the gospel is true. And I want to keep that in my life. I want to, um, I don't want to let go of that. And so for me, I wanted to find support of people that had the same goals that they wanted to stay in the church. Um, they wanted to continue loving their their children or their brother or whoever was LGBTQ, but trying to make both work, kind of living in that paradox, those two things that sometimes don't sit right together, but mm -hmm. trying to make a way that they can. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, figuring that out. So um, in conclusion, what advice can you give to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to become an ally towards the LGBTQ community or become a better ally? Um, what advice can you um, give to us? I would highly recommend listening to podcasts and just getting to know people and hear their stories. That helped a lot for me. And, you know, like my son is gay. He's a boy and he's gay. And there's a lot of different situations, different people out there. You know, there's lesbians, there's transgender people. So everyone has a different story and different feelings. And um, so I think it's really important to hear other people's stories, whether that's through podcasts or reading books or getting to know your neighbors and, um, you know, just whoever you can expose yourself to getting a better um, big picture of people and their realities. To be an ally, I think um, one way to do that is in church. If we, you know, if there's this discussion going on in Relief Society or Sunday school, you know, to, to not uh, be afraid to raise your hand and speak up if some things are said that aren't maybe accurate or, or aren't very thoughtful of possibly people in the room who are LGBTQ or parents or, you know, or siblings of LGBTQ, like be, be willing to speak up and, and help share a broader view with people who don't understand yet. Because I think, you know, in the church anyway, I think most people's hearts want to be thoughtful of other people, that we want to um, make people feel welcome, at least I do, kind of recognize the need to help others feel welcome who maybe look different or feel different. And that this, the church should be a place of, um, of welcome and wanting, wanting everyone with us and encouraging people to develop their own relationship with Jesus Christ. And what a, what better place to do that than in a church. And in my view, in an LDS church mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, the teachings we have of the savior and his grace and his atonement are beautiful and they're available to everyone. And so, you know, part of my mission is to help everyone feel welcome and want to want to come worship with us and learn with us and and learn, you know, to listen to the Holy Ghost for themselves and gain their own personal inspiration and revelation. And so I would hope to create a better atmosphere at church. And I think that's definitely possible. I think there's a lot of work to do with that. Um, especially in some congregations, but it's definitely possible. And I think that that honestly would make our Heavenly Father happy if we can make a difference there, that the congregations are more welcoming and loving towards everyone. Honestly, my first inklings toward being an ally was, well, wanting to reach out and love, making a safer, more happy place for LGBTQ people. And then secondly, reaching out to other parents in the same situation that I was so that Others wouldn't have to feel as alone and lost as I did as I came into this this new part of my life, this new journey. And so as I learned more, I, um, I had a, a drive to start a support group and wanted to um, reach out to others, just be friends, you know, just help others to know that they're not alone. So my first thoughts of doing that were to reach out to parents and let it be a support group for parents. But then um, 
before my support group got got going and got approved, I, I really started feeling like it needs to be for everyone, actually. It needs to be for LGBTQ people and their friends and anybody who wants to learn and learn more and become allies and friends and and help in the process of, of making it a more Christ-centered feeling at mm-hmm. church for everyone. And um, so we, I, I asked our stake if we could do a group, a support group. Master State President, and he responded right away. I asked him over email, and he responded right away saying that, yeah, I think that's a really great idea. I think that would be really helpful. I know he did talk to our area authority and, you know, felt like he needed approval. So he did get that, and he was in a meeting with some other stake presidencies in our area, training meeting, and uh, brought it up there, and I assume the area authority was there. And some of those other stake presidents gave him quite a bit of pushback and saying, you know, aren't there other groups already going and online support groups? And why do we need something in the, in your stake? Why do you need that in your stake? And he just said, no, I, I really feel like we do need something that it's a different experience to connect with your local neighbors and to connect in person rather than these online groups. So I was really glad that he pushed for that and did finally get approval. <clears throat> and so we started our group. We had a lot of people come to our first meeting that was in person. And um, I think a good amount of them were there because they wanted to learn how to be more helpful and how LGBTQ people feel and what they can do to be their friends and be their allies. And so um, that's actually been a great part of our group, but we've learned a lot from just from hearing different people. We've had gay people come speak to us. We've had a mom of a transgender daughter come speak to us. And we've had a group where we just discussed a topic together and got to know each other better. And um, so a big part of it has been learning, learning and supporting each other and um, just seeing what we can do, you know, just be more aware. I think the awareness is the first step and then speaking up and reaching out to each other is the second step of, you know, actually being Christ-like. Let's, let's take some action. Let's be kind. Let's have each other over and get to know each other and, um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about our support group. Um, I attend that support group as well. And I have to say, I love it. Um, you don't feel any type of judgment. It's not, oh, you're this or you're that, or, you know, you're not labeled. It's you are a son and daughter of Christ and we love you for who you are. And it's very special feeling. And you get to know these people at, different level than I would have thought I would, I, what I expected. And, um, it has really just shown me the, how Christ really loves everybody, including the LGBTQ community. And I, that support group really has changed my life and how I, I look at things and how I act and, and what I actually stand for. And, I, it's a great group, and I think that needs to have um, – they need more support groups like that within the church, I believe. And I think that would be an eye-opener for a lot of members if they actually have a group like that and able to see how special these people are. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that's been your experience. I um, In Tom Christopherson's book, That We May Be One, one of the things he said is um, that his family um, – his family uh, motto or whatever, one of their (laughs) Mm -hmm. things that his parents said was erect no barriers to love. 
And that just really touched me when I read that, that, yeah, why, why put up barriers? Let's knock the barriers down. Let's love each other. And then that, that provides a better atmosphere too, for people to develop a relationship with Christ because they're feeling the spirit, right? And they're, they learn what that spirit feels like. And then they go and, you know, say their own prayers and have their own experiences with revelation. And Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and learned new ways of increasing your allyship within yourself and as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As Michelle mentioned, there are several resources that talk more about increasing your allyship with the LGBTQ community. These will be listed in our bio. Savannah and I really enjoyed our conversation with Michelle regarding her son and her journey to over of overcoming previous beliefs, going through the grieving process of changed expectations, and not just becoming an ally, but becoming an advocate to those in the LGBTQ community through creating the inspired support group for her LDS stake. For me, as a member of that support group, it's been an amazing experience. To be able to come together with other members of the church and members of the LGBT community and able to just be together as, as a person and not labeled and that we're all just brothers and sisters of our Heavenly Father and that remember that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that we are just to love one another and that we are not to judge. And one thing that Michelle talked about that I just loved is that when she was going through her process, she talked about treating her son like she treated all her other kids. And that no matter what was happening, that her kids had the agency to make their own choices. But regardless of those choices, she loved them no matter what. And that is something to remember. And listen to our next podcast. Our next podcast is an interview with a dear friend named Nate. He's a grad student in the neuroscience department who is an openly gay student and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're excited to, to see you on our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.